earth. Unfortunately, that's the way our society is today. It, uh, people are out in the stratosphere in all kinds of areas, not just in the spiritual, but in the, the false spiritual and in uh, wrong thinking and wrong moral decisions. And so, if I had to choose a topic for what I'd like to say to you this morning, it would be medical ethics, AIDS, and you. Or, how do I make medical ethics relevant for you? Before getting into a few comments that I'd like to make, I also want to work, act as a book salesman. I know you're poor, poor college students. I was there not too long ago. Uh, I have three of my books that will be available right out here. We have a special price. They're all half price plus one dollar. My first book was Biblical Medical Ethics. For those of you who are thinking about the area of ethics or really interested in philosophy, uh, that's a book for you. Uh, it's a little heavier than my other books, uh, both in weight and in substance. Uh, but this would be $11. Uh, retail price is $19.95. And it will be out there. Second book is Making Biblical Decisions. That doesn't tell you a whole lot about it. it I can read some of the subjects here. Overpopulation. Uh, there's much talk today about whether we have too many people on planet Earth. Do we? God said be fruitful and multiply and fill the Earth. Have we filled it? <laughs> some of you are working on it, huh? In light of that, what birth control options are, can Christians use? What about abortion? Is abortion ever right? The problem of artificial insemination, infertility, those that can't get pregnant, what are the moral means of doing so? In vitro fertilization, surrogate motherhood. And I hope that these subjects are beginning to joggle your minds as these are headline topics from time to time. Genetic engineering. Right now, there's, there's a vast research effort underway to plot every gene on the human chromosome. That's a very, very complex task. There's an incredible amount of information in the genetic material. But this, the, the project is underway to plot every gene on the, on the human chromosome. And that could have serious implications for us. Quality of life issues. And finally, my most recent book, which Bob mentioned, What Every Christian Should Know About the AIDS Epidemic. Now, since I'm the author, I guess I can brag on it a little bit. <clears throat> but um, I think you'll find subjects in this book that's not in other books written by Christians or non-Christians. For example, one section, The Church and AIDS. Biblical truth and the honor of Christ. What does the church do with the adult with AIDS, with the child with AIDS? What about confidentiality in AIDS? What is the church's responsibility to member to, to people with AIDS? And so on. So these books are out there. This is $6. The Making Biblical Decision is $6. As I said, all of these are half price plus $1. You brought your money with you, didn't you? I'll take checks, credit cards. Won't take all use. <clears throat> I was out when I was in chapel. I used to take naps 
That's one reason I chose the topic of AIDS. Everybody's a little scared of AIDS, not sure of... As Bob says, there's so much information out there, not only in the medical literature, but in the secular literature, in the news media. Almost every night on the evening news, you hear something about AIDS. Over one million Americans have the AIDS virus. Over 200,000 have AIDS. You're probably aware that it takes several years once the virus gets in a person to affect the body in such a way that the many systems of the body are diseased, and then that's when we use the diagnosis AIDS. So it takes a while. But over 200,000 have been reported to have AIDS. Over 130,000 have already died of those 200,000. Right here in Los Angeles, there are 15,000 reported cases of AIDS. In California, more than 40,000. In my home state of of Georgia and Atlanta, there are over 4,000 cases and almost 6,000 cases in the entire state. So it's everywhere. Now, for some of you, AIDS may be the furthest thing from your mind. But as I said, we have to be honest. There are people here that are going to make mistakes. There are probably people who have already made mistakes. Very sad. Sexual immorality. But you need to know about this subject. And you need to be a little bit worried about it. Because there is great danger out there. But the greatest danger to you in the area of sexual immorality is not AIDS. It's other sexually transmitted diseases. And I want to talk about that in a way that relates to God's design for our human lives. How what he has said is not only the right thing to do, it's the best thing to do. And that we in medicine, since the practice of medicine has departed so far from God's truth and God's ways, that... We are actually beginning to do things that are counter to God's ways. And AIDS is one example of that. I won't go into specifics on how that is true, but AIDS has not been handled in a way that would be consistent with God's Word. But the other sexually transmitted diseases that are out there, you've probably heard of them. Herpes, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, trichomonas and others, maybe some diseases that you weren't aware could be transmitted sexually. Hepatitis B, for example. When I went to medical school 20 years ago, they taught us primarily about two sexually transmitted diseases, gonorrhea and syphilis. There were two or three others, but they were rare and really a medical curiosity when you did see them. Today, there are over 20 very specifically sexually transmitted diseases. And some experts have estimated that there are over 50 diseases that can be transmitted sexually. So that's what the sexual revolution has done for us. One day a week, as part of my job at the Medical College of Georgia, is to work in student health. It's a sad situation when I tell a student that he or she has a sexually transmitted disease. To see their faces fall. To see the implications of that. And then they ask, but doc, you can get rid of it, 
can't you? And most of the time, I have to tell them, no, I can't. We can treat some of the sexually transmitted diseases, but mostly all we can do is make the symptoms a little less, make the effect a little less, and maybe decrease the frequency with which they occur. You've learned a lot in physics and other sciences about physical laws. For example, if you jump off a building, you go splat. Law of gravity, one of God's physical laws for the universe. If you jump into bed with the wrong person, sexually transmitted disease. So I want you to relate between the two. As God has established spirit, uh, physical laws, he's established spiritual or moral laws. When we speak in the area of Christianity, of the Bible, moral is more or less equivalent to the word spiritual or biblical. So there are spiritual laws, biblical laws, as there are physical laws, and they have consequences which are just as severe. And that relates very directly to medicine, because we, as physicians, are very often the people that try to put things back together. As Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, all the king's horses and all the king's physicians couldn't put Humpty together again. Sometimes we can, but many times we can't. So all this to make my first point, that being that there are spiritual laws just as there are physical laws and the consequences are just as severe. The second point is that medicine cannot begin to treat sexually transmitted diseases or, as I said, to put Humpty Dumpty together again. Gonorrhea, which is a bacterial disease, we started off using very low doses of penicillin back about 30 or 40 years ago. Over the years, that little bacteria, smaller than the naked eye can see, very tiny under a microscope, but it is so sophisticated that it has adapted itself to practically every antibiotic that we've been able to develop. And now, as the first line of treatment, we use one of the most high-powered antibiotics available to physicians today. First drug that we use to treat that disease. Syphilis we can still treat, but that's about the only one. Herpes, we really can't do much. Maybe lessen the symptoms. Maybe decrease the frequency of occurrence. But once you have herpes, you have it for life. Not only that, you're likely to give it to your child when it's born. All this to say that God has not given physicians sufficient knowledge to counteract his spiritual laws. And I think that's where medicine is not honest today. When you hear in the news about a new treatment, a new drug, you don't hear about all the failures that we have. When you hear about sexually transmitted diseases and the myth that a condom is going to protect you from that, it's a myth. They don't tell you about all the broken lives, the broken bodies that we really as physicians cannot do anything about.
And so medicine, as it has lost its moral moorings, it has really lost its effectiveness to, 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 to deal with disease. Well, how else might medical ethics be relevant for you? I cut some clippings out of the paper this morning. You might be interested to know that if you buy a new car, and I'm sure a lot of you would like to buy a new car, but $1,000 of that is because of the medical insurance coverage that the auto industry has to give to its employees. So $1,000 of a cost of a new automobile is just because of the cost of medical care for those employees. On the front page, it says health care still too costly for seniors. Big political issue this year about national health insurance. All the presidential candidates are coming up with their own different plans. Another topic, nuclear plant fall. Worried about the effects on the environment of, of nuclear energy and the, the byproducts of that. Here's an article on a physician who improperly used infertility procedures to help women get pregnant. You've heard in the news a lot about Jack Kevorkian and his death machine and how he's helped three people to commit suicide in that way. In the economics section of the paper, the business section of the paper, says Smith Klein may have an antidote, meaning that they have a new drug going to make their stock go up, they hope. In Ireland, you may have heard about the case over there where they, a girl was raped and they wanted to abort the baby and it's gone all the way up to their Supreme Court to rule on. And on and on and on. So medical ethics is very relevant. It's becoming more and more relevant. It makes up one of the largest areas of the federal deficit in our economy. There are heart, liver, and lung transplants being done. What are, what is the, ethics of, of, what are the ethics of those? What about child abuse, parent abuse, abuse? Physicians now are being required to report to the state the abuse of a child, the abuse of a spouse, the abuse of a parent. I mentioned world overpopulation. How many, how many people are enough? The problem of IV drug abuse. And today everything is an addiction. If you have a nervous twitch, that can be an, addic an addiction. Uh, if you smoke cigarettes, you drink too much coffee. Uh, people that are sexually promiscuous, all of that has become labeled under the area of addiction. That makes it a medical problem. But maybe it's a spiritual problem instead. As Bible college students, I'm sure all of you are familiar with 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God and woman may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's true of medical ethics as well. And as, as Bob mentioned to you, that's the area that I've spent most of my time for the last 10 to 12 years trying to make that relevant. And too often today, in the, if you've studied ethics, if you've studied philosophy, uh, the area of ethics has is, is gotten almost entirely away from any absolute standards, any standards at all. 
It's gotten into situational ethics. What you feel good, you do. And so that's true of medicine, medical ethics as well. Now I have a, a quiz for you. You're all good Bible students. Where in the New Testament is the only place that the word abortion appears? You want me to tell you, right? It is in there. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 8. I'll read both verses 7 and 8. He, that is Jesus, appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as it were, to one untimely born, he appeared to me. And that's Paul the Apostle speaking. He says he was one as one untimely born. The Greek word that's used there is for miscarriage. And a synonym today for miscarriage is abortion. Now, unfortunately, that's not in a context that we can use it for medical ethics. But I thought I'd give you a little word, a little word of trivia that you might spring on your professors uh, and maybe get one step ahead of them. But the word abortion is in the New Testament. But that's an example of where we, we have to make certain deductions from Scripture because there's nowhere in the Bible where it says to kill an unborn child is wrong. There's the Sixth Commandment, we're not to kill, and then we extrapolate from that to come to the conclusion that it's wrong to do abortions. What are some of the other ways that medicine violates biblical standards? There's a social and political acceptance of homosexuality. If you read Romans 1, it's very clear there that the open presence of homosexuality in a society is God's judgment upon that society. Many people today have asked whether AIDS is God's judgment on homosexual. That may or may not be. That's somewhat of a complicated issue. I don't think you can say that clearly that it is. But what you can say clearly from Romans 1 is that the presence of open homosexuality, because it says there that God gave them over to these kinds of things, to homosexuality. The family is being divided up. Physicians can treat wives, husbands, children without the knowledge of any other member of the family. In every state in the United States, teenagers, even less than teenagers, 11 and 12-year-olds, can be treated by physicians to get birth control pills, to be treated for sexually transmitted diseases, to be given abortions without the parents knowing about it. So you can see that medicine is contributing and going right along with the ethical degradation that's going on in our society. I want to warn you about that. One-third of all pregnancies that begin to develop in the United States in an abortion. One out of three pregnancies. So we would have 50%, again, as many children being born were it not for abortions. Physicians sometimes lie to patients. I mentioned some problems in psychiatry and psychology of uh, they're emphasizing sexual freedom and that everything today is an addiction. 
We are taught to be non-judgmental in medical school, that we're not to, to tell somebody, hey, you're, you may be injuring yourself, you, you, uh, you may need to change your lifestyle, you may, to, may need to, to do this. We're to accept them as they are and try to treat them as they are. And as a Christian, we just can't do that. There's government involvement in, in medicine more and more. They're paying the bills, and they're calling the shots. Someone has said that the golden rule is that he who has the gold makes the rules. And in the case of medical care, the more the government pays for it with their gold, the more they're making the rules. And physicians more and more becoming just slaves of the state. They're more and more tying their hands to be free to practice good medicine. Babies are being born outside of families. Lesbians are getting artificial insemination. Homosexuals are adopting children. Mothers are having babies for others as surrogate mothers. There's the encroachment of new age practices into medicine. Uh, numerous conferences right here in California every year that are medical conferences very closely tied with the new age movement. Transsexual operations going on. Well, we've come from the mountaintop down to the valley, and in some cases we've even gone into the sewer. But that's the way it is. That's the way our culture is. And that's the culture that you're called to. And in light of that, I'd like to call some of you to consider being medical ethicists. We need more and more people in this. There are so many areas that need to be addressed. There's so much work that needs to be done in this area. It's a long road. Uh, you'll need graduate work. You'll need studies in philosophy and ethics. You'll need more than Bible school training in the study of the Scriptures. Uh, but there just might be one or two or more of you that are willing to go in that direction. Maybe some of you are being called into medicine. One of the greatest areas of mission work is not necessarily overseas. It's in the area of medical ethics. There are so few of us doing it today. And I've, I've told you so many ways this morning that, that medicine has departed from biblical values, and we need to get back to that. We need to keep, teach Christians in this area. Too much, too often, too many times, Christians accept what the doctor says. To some extent, the doctor is still on a pedestal. But in the area of morals, in the area of ethics, uh, you have to be careful. Patients that see physicians today have to be careful what they're advised of, and you have to run it through a biblical grid. So what I'd like to leave you with this morning is that God has made spiritual laws, moral laws, as well as physical laws. And that medicine today is being dishonest with you in its claim that we could take care of you. It's okay to be sexually free. We can, we can treat those diseases. We can't. Being very honest, we can't. And the further we depart from God's standards, the further that we get away from biblical ethics, the more disease there's going to be. Of course, in one sense, that's good for physicians because that gives us more work. But it's bad for people. It's bad for patients. And so we're getting into a mode as physicians where I believe that we're causing more disease than we're helping. 
we're causing more broken lives than we're healing. And then finally, would some of you consider coming over to Macedonia and helping us? Thank you.